0: Because mm, you see as well the average of cost per kids in their first year and I'm like, well, yep. celibacy it is. Yep. Yeah, seriously. Take that pill today. Yes. <laughs> yes! If you haven't taken your pill today, That's your
1: this is your reminder. <laughs> hey,
0: chicks, I'm Al. And I'm Sal. And this is Two Broke Chicks, the show that shares life lessons because we are broke in funds but rich in life. And today we are in for a doozy, Mm -hmm. a treat. A treat. We're going to be chatting with Hannah Ferguson, who is the founder and brains behind Cheek Media, which is the news that talks back. If you're not following it on Instagram, highly recommend. It's amazing. It discusses political, pop culture, news and topics that really takes things from a perspective that is so digestible and so informative without it being aggressive which is a lovely change in the news and media, if we do say so ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking to her all about those maybe sticky discussion points that you can get into and how to kind of debate those topics. We'll be discussing things like the gender pay gap, climate change, and the current rental crisis, which triggered <laughs> <laughs> someone whose rent just went up. Ow! Whee! Uh-huh. <laughs> But before we get into the episode with Hannah and our new best friend, um, she doesn't know that yet, but she is. She'll find out. Uh Uh-huh. We are going to share with you our product recommendations of the week. So come on, Sarah, what you got? Mm -hmm. What am I buying?
2: (laughs) Well, look, I don't know if you will buy this one, but I'll try and convince you. Okay. It is the Colgate Water Blaster Flosser. It's basically a water pick. changed my life. I've seen it in your bathroom. Yeah. So it is $180, mm-hmm. so it is expensive. <laughs> but it's currently on sale at Chemist Warehouse for 90 bucks. So it's okay, 50% love. off, which is amazing.
0: Now you've got me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, like, I didn't want it for 180 but as soon as I've heard 50% off. There's a bargain to be had. <laughs> there is a deal that I am missing out on. Now we're talking. Uh-huh.
2: But it's a more efficient way of flossing your teeth. It really, like... you. You've all seen how a water pick works but it really like shoots the water into your gums in a way that's gentle, it doesn't hurt and like it really gets all of the food out there. You don't have to like fuck around with floss. You know, it's better for the environment and it's also waterproof. So I use mine in the shower and I love it.
0: Love that. Mm -hmm. What's your product recommendation? My product recommendation is something that I never thought I would be endorsing just from probably stubbornness. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not really on brand for me. stubborn. Who is she? No. It's an air fryer. E may go It is game-changing. because I love to cook, and I think there's something therapeutic about cooking. It's like meditation for me, like getting a little glass of wine. Getting all my ingredients out, putting on some good music or like Will and Grace in the background and making dinner. Really
2: romanticising. Yeah, I really that whole love it. Like
0: I really feel like I'm a main character because you're Italian. It's yeah. in your blood, baby. But just like, you know that scene that you would watch in like rom-coms where they like pour a wine and like dance around their kitchen and make dinner. Mm-hmm. Like obviously that's not what it is every time. Like <laughs> let's be realistic here. Sometimes I am in like a messy bun having showered that day and I'm in like mismatched pyjamas, <laughs> one of my socks stepped in wet and it's like a little bit soggy. No. You know? That's, um, that's majority of the time. But like, come on, sometimes we keep it cute, like a Friday night cooking. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) but my partner bought an air fryer and I would always talk shit on it being like maybe me like it's not real it's cheating anyway I eat my words and it is so good it is so simple and easy to literally make anything and it just takes the fuss out of it for when you're hungry because there's so many times when you're hungry and you're like oh, I'm hungry now and I can't be bothered to cook dinner. Or you've had a really long day and it's just not on your to-do list to do seven rounds of cooking. Yeah. And one thing that I could never cook is salmon. I'd always fuck it up. I would always fuck it up. Anyway, stick it in the air fryer. 15 minutes later, it's done. It's so simple. And chicken, I would always overcook because it's scary. (laughs) And I would cook it to the point that it, was, it could have been used as a rubber band. Blech. Like I would overcook it because I was so scared of raw chicken, whereas like you just pop it in an air fryer and it's done. I'm so late to this game. I understand that. Everyone listening probably already has an air fryer, but if you are the 1% that doesn't, highly recommend. They're so affordable. You can get them from Kmart for like 40 bucks. Love that. I feel
2: like everyone else bought their air fr- fryers during lockdown.
0: Mm. But, yeah, air fryer is so simple, and I know I'm late to the game in that one, but... It just makes life easy, especially if you're moving out of home and you're not the biggest cook. It's also really, like, affordable to make your meals in it. And I feel like I have less waste of food now that I just chuck it in there. It's
2: really changed your life. Mm -hmm. Speaking of changing lives, should we get Hannah in the studio? Let's do it.
1: Alrighty, well,
0: welcome to the studio, Hannah. Thank you. We're so excited for you to be here. I'm so
1: excited to be here. I've been watching you through the glass, finally in the room. It's very exciting. <laughs> I saw
2: you pressed up, just breathing. <laughs> and just really up Someone let her in, Jesus. You know <laughs> we should get her on the show. She I'm won't like,
1: leave otherwise. Yeah, I'm like, is the door locked? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't <that.">
1: Stay feral. <laughs> no, it's the same.
0: When we saw you in the studio on another podcast and I saw you, I'd never met you
1: and I, like, did the... Biggest way. <laughs> being like, hi. But it was funny because I knew you were both here. And so I was recording and we were talking like, you know, sex, love, relationships, and I'm, you know, Crossing my own boundaries, freaking out. I see a hand go up. I'm like, I know who that is. We've never <laughs> met, and I know who that is. <laughs> Instagram besties. yeah it's, it's the way. Love. It is the yeah. way.
0: Yeah. You know, we've we've had a few flame reacts. So, so...
1: true. That's how flirting starts. <laughs> exactly. Very important stuff. Modern dating. Modern romance. I know. Exactly. Right.
2: Sometimes the guy's got to do
1: what a guy's got to do. Exactly. Love's not
2: dead. We
0: still have the flame reacts. We still emoji. have the flame reacts. But
1: also, like, I find it hard. Sorry, we're getting off track already. But I find it hard then like to know what to respond because it's just a react at least if you say something flirty you're like I can get into it now but when it's just a reaction you're like or just now the like button on stories
0: Mm. I'm like what to do because you can't engage with that no there should be a fire extinguisher emoji for when people flame react and you're not into it and you just send that back and you're like put a copyright on that I love it you're like no Get out, get out of here. Beautiful. Yeah. Are you lost? <laughs> are you lost,
2: boy?
1: Yeah. It's offensive that you thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, now that we're fully into the episode, we, we, we I was going to say pop the cherry, but I'm not. <laughs>
1: because that would be weird.
0: <laughs> and we're going to chat all about, you know, the... How to win every argument, basically. I was like, how can I say this in a way that doesn't come across aggressive? But mm,
1: That is pretty aggressive. But that's I like it. I like the energy.
0: It's kind of the topics that come up and you feel very passionately about it. And we're going to be talking about things like the gender pay gap, climate change, and a bunch of other topics. And Hannah's going to talk us through the information that's good to have on hand for those kinds of conversations that are difficult. Oftentimes it's, you know, someone that's like your, your uncle at the Christmas dinner and you're like... Mm-hmm.
1: Your Alan Jones replica in your yeah. own <laughs> family. Yeah. yeah, There's always one. There's always one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the
0: straight white boomer at your workplace that's like, no, women just go for creative jobs and mm-hmm. they're not yeah. an engineer and you're like, Barry, your dad owns the company.
2: <laughs> yeah, or like Joe Rogan's number one top listener, you know, like those sorts yes. of people in your life. Mm. But also I think Hannah's going to give us some advice on when it's worth even going up to bat or just to let people, like, wallow in their own ignorance, you know?
1: Yes. And that, that's the hardest part, I think, mm-hmm. is knowing when to step away and, like, what the intention of the conversation is as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Because I think as well you were talking about, and you're writing a book as well, that – if you're going in to simply win the argument, you're kind of setting yourself up to fail. Yes. So can you talk us through that a bit?
1: Yeah, like I think, and it's funny because I always reference like the Alan Jones, Andrew Bolt, you know, like even like Koshy nowadays and Carl Stefanovic. i come like, get a grip, people. Like oh, we yeah. can't be doing this and we're sliding the wrong way on our sort of mainstream um, primetime channels, right? But I think that when we're thinking about like our relatives, my thing always for people is... If you're entering a conversation and your only consideration or goal is to win and... (laughs) I'm with you. Like I'm convinced I'm always going to win. I have to approach it that way with that mindset that I have the most valid point. But like something I've really tried to like come to terms with in the last 12 months even is if my only goal is to get someone who sits on the complete opposite end of the spectrum politically to me to come to my side, I'm pretty much always going to walk away disappointed. Mm. And so for me it's like how can I have a healthy, robust, meaningful conversation with someone in my life about something that's important to both of us? And I think that the main intention should be that if you're only goal is to win don't engage because like you'll just end up upset and you'll ruin the nibblies you know what I mean you'll ruin the chip and dip session at Christmas lunch fully or the whole day you know fun everyone's done it, been there done that once before but three times But, (laughs) but I think that the thing always is I try to leave a conversation thinking did that person walk away with something to think about did they feel challenged in some way do they have something to reflect on If you think the person you're going to engage with doesn't have that capacity to even go away and be like, that was interesting, not even agree, but think like that made me think differently. Don't do it Mm. unless you think they have the capacity to actually because I think a lot of the time also we have these relatives that everyone knows them, they say something not because they want to have a meaningful conversation or any conversation but because they just want to get under your skin. Mm. They just want to see and they want to push your buttons and they want a reaction. And so giving it to them is unhelpful. But at the same time it is our job in many ways to not – like they're not stomping on us and they're not really getting anywhere by getting that reaction but by saying that's actually unacceptable and like Mm. I'm not going to engage with you and like pointing out that like I disagree, I'm not going to get into this with you because you're not going to listen to me and that's one side of it Um, and they're not going further because you're like until we can have some sort of healthy conversation around this, I refuse to like participate in what you're trying to get from me, right, Mm -hmm. because it's just upsetting for everyone. But I also think it is our job to go, well, if my uncle or my, you know, grandparent is making a racist remark at lunch, as a white person, I do have a responsibility to go, well, you're more likely to listen to me. You know, I do have that privilege over someone else. And if you're going to make those remarks publicly, I do have some sort of responsibility to go, that's actually not on, mm. you know, because that's our privilege and that's our that's our role sometimes. And I think it's about stepping up there as well. So it's, it's hard to manage. It's not a one size fits all thing. Yeah, it's like
0: a double edged sword, because I think you are completely right in terms of there are people that you could engage in heated discussions with and it's going to fall on deaf ears and you're going to end up working yourself up. Well, they're going to end up working you up, yeah. not
1: working yourself up.
0: Let's not gaslight ourselves. actually
1: both. Because if you're going to leave upset mm. and even though you're doing the right thing by yourself, like, who does it help, right? Exactly. Yeah. But
0: then also there is responsibility to not say nothing because is that just also allowing space yeah. for that? So it is a tricky one. It's circumstantial, right? Yeah. And I'm not going
1: to say yes or no because it really depends on like, there's also, there's also just issues with like some people don't feel safe in those environments. Mm. Like that's, I'm not telling you you have to do something, but I'm just saying like assess and consider.
2: Yeah. One thousand percent. Totally. I'm getting flashbacks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh!
2: But should we dive into some of the juicy
1: topics? Yeah, I'm yes, really hoping I have the the answer for all of them. I really, I think I do.
2: Okay, so our first topic for debate. yep There's no such thing as a gender
1: pay gap. Yeah, this one's a really easy one, but I think that like always, and this is like always my starting point. There's never like a one line, smoking gun, silver bullet answer to like these responses because every person's going to come at you from a different angle. Mm-hmm always like the first thing with any argument I would say to someone is don't look at necessarily the direct thing that they're saying to you that like the response think about where that's coming from Mm. so for me it's always like I mean with the gender pay gap I'm always like interested in what they think their argument is and where it's coming from so it's not that they just believe it doesn't exist they've clearly been fed that narrative by something so it's probably right-wing media you know like Mm -hmm. we're talking about the Joe Rogan followers the Andrew Tate followers the Jordan Peterson followers and so I'm always interested in like the background and the context of what's fueling this view and why they feel so threatened that they literally disbelieve a fact and it
0: is it is threatened because I feel like as well especially with this it is a defense it is they're coming from that's not true blah blah and it's like And predominantly this discussion on the other side comes from men. Yes. And it's so defensive.
1: Yes, it is. It's so defensive. And it's funny because I think there's like a really common misconception held by most of the world about what the gender pay gap is. I think that most people believe it's just when two people, a man and a woman, are doing the same job and they're getting paid different amounts. That's not what it is. That's unequal pay and that's not lawful. So that's just not what it is. What we're talking about when we're talking about the gender pay gap is... The average earnings over the course of a lifetime and the gap between what men and women earn, right? And so I think at this point it's something like – and there's different stats and you'll find that you know, people will argue that the information is different. But often you've got to take into consideration whether the reporting is including things like super. Mm. So in some cases you'll see reports of it being 22.8%. And in some cases you'll see it being 13.2%. It's like does it include overtime? Does it include different entitlements? Does it include super? The thing to think about is we're actually looking at, like, the social and economic factors that mean the difference. So a lot of the time men will make arguments, and it's usually men, that will make arguments like women always want to take time off work for parental leave, right? Have we actually thought about, and this is something that impacts men too, like the argument I would always make back is, but you're affected as well because you feel, often men feel in the workplace that they cannot take parental leave, Mm. right? And obviously there's some issues with um, a lot of the time in the first early stages women do need to take that time off because they might be feeding, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, their bodies readjusting. Yeah, Mm. But we need to incentivize and support men to be able to take that leave. So I would always be like to them, you know, wouldn't it be great if you were able to take more parental leave? Like, wouldn't it be great if the system and the cultural forces in your workplace promoted that instead of Mm. making fun of you, making you feel less than, making you feel submissive in your relationship? Like, I would always try to argue it pragmatic and maybe problematic to some people, but it impacts you negatively too, that you Mm. can't take that time off to spend with your family, right? I also think it's things like, when women do re-enter the workforce, they're not trusted and not given promotions on the basis that they might leave to have another baby or they've missed out on time in the workplace and they have to take on different flexible arrangements, part-time arrangements. How does that impact the way that management perceives women in the workforce, right? So it's it's not just like a blanket thing and it's not just like a, a pay discrepancy between two roles. It's literally all of these things. For example, it's like, also, I think fundamentally the way that women's work is valued and perceived. Okay. So like I think there was a study, it was done across 50 years and it was KPMG study. They found that when a male-dominated industry welcomed women, the pay rate on average dropped for that industry. So like say it's mining or a trade, when women became more prominent within that industry – the average pay dropped. That's wild. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> yeah. And when you think about it on that scale, right? Like it's, it's, and it's also the fact that women's, labour is usually unpaid. Mm. How much time are we spending doing domestic labour that isn't valued? What's the pay gap when you consider how much, you know, that she's out buying your mother her Mother's Day present, you know? Like all of the little things that mean that women often are the ones that are expected to leave the workforce or not rise to managerial positions. And it's all these thousands of little moments that make up the difference Mm. and the difference in super because you've taken time off work and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And it's like it's not one thing. But it's all of these things that you probably haven't considered because you haven't put yourself in someone else's shoes. And why are you so offended by having to do that?
0: A hundred percent. And even if you look at traditional household duties, a woman's is cooking, cleaning and like household maintenance, which is an everyday thing. Whereas traditionally a man's job is to mow the lawn and keep the garden. exactly. Mm. And that's
2: also the emotional labor of having to be the brains behind every single decision that needs to be made in the household all your children's lives like you know traditionally it's the mother who's being like okay so we're going to put the kids in this activity and I'll go and pick them up and do all of these things exactly and, and buy the mother's day present and oh we've got a dentist appointment so all of those things as well even it's you know, emotional, it's mental, it's happening in your brain. But that's not being paid for either.
1: But that's time and effort. Yeah. And also, like, the other thing I think about with this is when we think about the work that men do around the house, that's actually um, more often the thing that, is uh acceptably like outsourced. Mm. So like getting a mechanic to come and do the car, getting someone to do the lawns is more acceptable than women getting a cleaner in. Yeah. Women shame each other for not being able to keep a house. You know, like that sort of stuff. When you think about that. And it's like no one, you know, no one's considering the impact of the life admin and the management of a household. And I think that's yeah. like a huge thing as well.
0: This is probably a bit of a derail, but I love the fact that we've lost. Or we're losing the idea of like a housewife because I would suck. Yes, yeah, I would suck as a housewife. Yeah. I hate cleaning. I know you like cleaning, mm, but, but I, I hate cooking. You like, yeah, I hate both. Yeah, yeah it's, it's magical. <laughs> You're like, you know what? Both I'm
1: single and live alone. It's not great out here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, I just, I'm like kids still to me. I'm like, I'm cool. scared, but yeah. I like an arm's length.
1: Yeah,
0: cleaning. I'm like. Ugh. Cooking, I'll use every single pot I can find at my disposal and (laughs) I'll be like, now what do I do with it? Yeah. I would suck so bad. I'm also
1: terrified of being pregnant. Oh, fully. Like everything about it I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do this. When like like,
0: pregnant women tell you all the things that they like Mm -hmm. are going through or get warned about or when, you know, you might have to have a C-section and they cut your abs open that might not be factually correct, but <laughs> that's just what it's I'm scared of. I literally picture, like, you know those cartoons with the doctors that have, like, the spinning hands with all the tools <laughs> on them? like going in I'm like, get
1: out of there! Edwards' hands situation. Yeah! yeah! I'm like... Mm. Yeah.
2: Anyway. They are superhuman.
0: Yeah. Women are just incredible. But for those listening who might have this discussion open to them. What are three points that you would advise for people to go into these discussions with about the gender pay gap doesn't exist?
1: I think it's about explaining what it really is. And I think it's about, I think it's always about coming back to this idea of like, why do you hold that view and what is it What is so threatening about this idea to you? And I think it's like this idea of men constantly telling us that it's because we pick work that's easier or they do more overtime. And I think for me, I'm always trying to get back to the fact that you don't need to be armed with 80 stats and statistics to have a relevant conversation about this. And for me, I would just always say, go back to asking the question, like, what about this threatens you? Why wouldn't it be better if all of our workplaces accommodated us equally? What if we were all incentivized to take parental leave equally? You know, what if we were... And if you are someone, if you are a man that is in a relationship or wants to date women, why is it an awful or threatening idea to you that women are paid more? Mm. Because isn't that helpful for both people? Like I would just constantly, it's not even about having a conversation where you're rattling off or selling it to someone. I think it's about getting to the root of why are you so defensive? Because actually our rise is your rise as well. It's not your fall. Mm. And I think that's always what I'm trying to come back to. Love. Drop
0: the
1: mic. Sorry, I know it's not like extremely fun. Oh, it is, <laughs> it is. It's so interesting. I find it very. Fun. Me too. Like, I'm like taking notes. Literally.
0: The core of it is not fun. Like we would love if everyone just got paid equally. Yeah. Um, and treated equally, but I think it's still really interesting to talk about. So our next one is very topical mm. at the moment, but the discussion topic for debate is the rental and housing crisis isn't real.
1: I also like. I think that the majority of the argument around this, because anyone who tries to argue that it's not real, I'm like, it's not the Tooth Fairy, it's not Santa Claus. Like this isn't <laughs> housing is not like that. You know, it's not some far away idea. Like it's real and it's happening, and there's all the stats and statistics to prove it. But I think that the thing to come back to is always the um, argument most of our parents and grandparents make mm. is that uh, interest rates were higher back in their day, and always the thing I'm arguing is the. Comparative between the the median or the average salary and median house price. So I think that in the 80s, um, a the average in Sydney, the average house price and the average annual income, it was four times the average income. Now it's 14 times the average income. So when you look at that, I don't really give a shit about your your argument about interest rates because when someone on the average salary could potentially buy a house or have a deposit in a couple of years at least, Mm. um, it's not really comparable and it's not really a fair thing to to look at at all. And then when we think about the way that, so I think inflation at the moment, it was sitting at about 7%, but rental prices in the last year in Sydney have increased by 12.3%, I think. So when we look at the way that our wages are growing, which is usually about 3.5% a year depending on where you work, like public service will get less, um, some businesses will get more and try to match inflation, CPI which is consumer price index and if basically the way it's measured if you don't know is a basket of goods, average goods, household goods is measured quarter on quarter and how much they cost. So it's a very simple way to measure inflation. And if your salary is not if your wage growth is not matching your inflation, you're falling behind. You are losing money. And so when we think about the increase in rent, the increase in the average price of goods and then the way that your salary falls behind that, it is harder to buy, to rent, to pay for your existence. Mm-hmm. So I think that when we're talking about it not existing it obviously exists. I think that a lot of the time there's just this rhetoric, which <laughs> is just ridiculous, that's like stop buying the oat cap.
0: Or the avocado on toast. toast. I'm like shut up.
1: Yeah, and it's like that's just not it and I think that you know what? and I think it's really easy to scratch the surface on that and say well comparatively it was a very different time when you were buying and the way that your wages were paid versus the cost of the house was incredibly different. Mm. And it's not that we need to pull our socks up and try harder and grow a backbone. It's not that at all. It's hard. And it, we need to do something, whether that be a rent freeze, whether that be rent increases being capped at the rate of CPI. So it's not outrageously increasing. And then
0: that's the thing, though, because it's like, the way that especially in new south wales so it's like okay your rent can only be raised once per year and you need i think it's either 30 or 60 days notice yes but they can put it up yes, however exactly much say. they want yeah. and it mm-hmm. like that it doesn't matter if they can raise it yeah like once or twice or whatever that obviously makes a difference but the fact that they can raise it however much they want defeats the purpose of in my opinion, both of those regulations. But
1: they're also trying to sell it to us as something we should be thankful for. Yeah. Like the Queensland government just changed it so that they were like, we're doing something about it. You can only increase it once a year and it was twice a year. And it's like literally all that means is that it's going to be a, a more significant increase annually as opposed to two smaller increases. Mm-hmm. Fully, it's, and It's worse, if anything.
0: My rent last year was increased by 4%. Mm-hmm. My rent this year was increased by 13
1: It's ridiculous. And
0: I I went back saying that to them and I was like, this is how much you increased it by last year, this is how much you increased it by this year. Can we at least meet in the middle? Like I understand that you're probably not going to increase it by 4%. I, you know, understand that rents are being raised, but, like, can we at least meet in the middle? And it was just the flattest no I've ever received because landlords don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it's because they know that people don't have a choice because what is it, like around 1% of rental properties are available for lease. So they know that even if you could, even if you're there's like, fuck this, there's yes. nowhere else to go yeah. that you would even be able to get that isn't literally like a rat infested hellhole and probably you're still paying the same amount. Yep. And I saw an article as well that was saying that because the cost of living is going up, As well, which is great. Yeah, incredible. If you're paying, I think it was 30% of your income on rent that you can expect your quality of life to dip as a result of, you know, the cost of living and rent. But the average Sydney woman pays 40% of her income towards rent. So, like, this is also hitting women the worst out of any- everyone. Yeah. I know it's not a race to the bottom because also then if you, like, peeled back yeah. to the minorities, it only gets worse. But, like,
1: fuck! Well, we are the fastest. I think it's women over the age of 50, so not we, but are mm. the fastest growing population of, of homeless people in Australia. Mm. So it's, like, we are the people that are being, women are the people that are being impacted. Mm. Um, and, yeah, you're absolutely right about, like, the marginalisations and how that compounds to, like, increase the risk, right? But you're absolutely right. It's it, When you consider the percentage, it shouldn't be more than a quarter mm-hmm. of your percentage of your income is spent on rent that's like the ideal scenario yeah
0: (sighs) yeah and I think it can get really overwhelming as well when you know you see infographics on Instagram or TikToks breaking down your budget for the month and it's like you should be spending 20 percent of your salary Mm. on rent and you're like where yeah how because a lot of people aren't getting raises at work they're getting made redundant and rent's just going up and we're like, cool. Okay.
1: And then you're shamed. But I won't buy avocado that's on toast. That's the thing, you're then shamed for trying to do something for yourself, like buying the coffee or you know, yeah. getting your nails done or and doing like anything and you're like, that's yeah. the one thing that I need to be able to do to feel like a bit of a person. Yeah, you know? we're
0: supposed to be here like fully eating bird seeds. Yeah. <laughs> but bread. I don't
1: have kids. Like I can't imagine, like I, I genuinely look at salaries and I think like how is that working for you? Like that would be so stressful.
0: Because mm, you see as well the average of cost per kids in their first year and I'm like, well. Well, yep. Celibacy it is. Yeah. Yeah, seriously. Take that pill today. Yes, <laughs> if you haven't taken your pill today. This is your reminder. This is your reminder. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: That, that statistic in itself is just birth control for me. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, fully. Okay, so if people are going into this conversation or this debate, what's like the one liner that they can give their uncle that has like three investment properties?
1: I think that it shouldn't be um, it shouldn't be easier to buy your fifth investment property than your first property. But also, I think it comes back to that comparison of like your interest rates back in your day are not comparable to today because again, I think it's back to that four times the average income in the eighties versus fourteen times now. Mm-hmm. I think that comparison just says it all; speaks volumes.
0: I just wanted to know, like, if I was going to take so, if you take what's like the average income ninety
1: three, five
0: yeah. okay ninety five k, so. 95k times four is 380,000. What what, where yeah, are you going to get that? Because
1: the, the average, the median in Sydney, so the average income, yeah, is that. And then the average house price is
2: 1.3. Yeah, that's a car space. Yeah. yeah. In Bondi.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> it is. <sighs> Sorry, that took, like, two seconds to <laughs> land for me. And I was like, what That's did she say? It was beautiful It was and actually was seamless, like, too. Oh, my God. It's so true, though, because I remember when I was trying to find a car space, they're like, 100 bucks a week. And I'm like, for dead space? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. The spat. No,
1: was, That's didn't even how, how angry that she is. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, I can do it again if you missed it. we flirting but on the pod. Again. again. Oh, fuck me. Mm-hmm. Also, this... These conversations and these topics, as heavy as they are, aren't meant to overwhelm you. Yeah. This isn't meant to kind of make you feel like, well, fuck my drag. Like, (laughs) as shit as these topics are, it is really powerful and empowering to be able to fight. Yourself, your own rights, and have the knowledge to go into these discussions, knowing what you're talking about and feeling strongly about that. Because I think the worst things, and I've felt this so many times, is when I know what I want to say, but I can't articulate it. And it's kind of what you were saying before: you feel like you need to have all these statistics and all these things to go into, and it's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, yes, they are amazing, like the rental crisis statistic, but as well. It's just really good to be able to feel like you can discuss it and you can speak to it without sounding like an
1: idiot. Totally. Mm, because yeah. half
0: the time, like, that's why people won't kind of go to bat if you need to or if you want to because you're like, well, I don't know.
1: And they're emotional conversations because and, – and this is the other thing. is This is the reason I say, like, don't engage with people that are just so inflammatory because – what it is is them saying like this is your fault, mm. and that's that, that's not okay. The way that they undermine your work, your living situation, your finances—like it's very personal stuff, and that's why it is so scary and emotionally activating. And that's why you shouldn't engage if it's just problematic. Mm. But like it, this is just a, this is just a way to say how can I take my own reactive nature out of it and go, this is my one line. If we're not going to get anywhere, I'll step away. But mm. this is what I can say.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, totally.
2: Next topic for debate is? is
0: Climate change is made up. Oh fuck.
1: (laughs) Um, This is one where if someone's taking that approach do not engage. I think that at that point it's a bit of a lost cause. Um, I'm really interested in the people that do not think we should be doing more because I think that if you're not believing in climate change or climate science like you are just that's, that's an alternative facts person and that's that's a lost year. That's that's a sad sort of scenario. And I would just say, like, cut the TV cord on them and stop allowing Sky News into their ears and homes, because <laughs> that's really problematic. And that's just the Murdoch media taking hold and brainwashing, right? Um, I think that when it comes to the climate change stuff, and this is, again, really hard one for people, because if you're not a scientifically minded person, it doesn't make sense. You go, oh, the sky, it's warm, there's floods and stuff. Like, it's very confusing and it's hard to argue, right? But I think that, always the stuff that's more stressful is if you don't understand these things, you don't know how to measure whether the government is doing enough or whether they should be doing more. And it's hard to Mm criticise and have sort of like healthy conversations when you don't know what should be done and you don't know what the plan is. Um, I think that the thing to do always is to question and push back and say like what are you consuming? Where are you getting that information from? Mm -hmm. And like why are you holding this view and why are you so committed to misunderstanding what this conversation is
0: and I also think I love that phrase what what, are you so committed to misunderstanding yeah I'm going to use that for the rest of my life (laughs) yeah but but I
1: think that's it is like with climate change it's like you are committed to misunderstanding the facts and the truth and what I'm saying to you and therefore there's no longer a reason for me to engage in this because it's not healthy Mm. right and so for me it's always about saying well and, and I think this is a pretty simple fallback if you really don't know what you're doing. I would say, like, there's great resources out there that you can go and read and learn more. But I think at, at a baseline level, taking action on climate and taking action to protect our planet and to protect our future, what is the danger of that? What is the worst outcome in that scenario? That is
0: what I was just thinking, because I'm like, with our two previous discussions or debates, it's like, I feel like you can see very two sides mm. to things like with the gender pay gap it is very much kind of set up as like women versus men which it isn't and then with the rental crisis it's very much renters versus yeah owners yeah mm-hmm. whereas climate change it's us why are you mad at yeah. mother nature No, that's like why do you hate the earth yeah mm,
2: i think it's rooted in fear people don't want to believe it because then it is a threat to their existence and mm. like the future yes. of you know the future of their like lineage mm. so they're like oh no it's fake
1: it's yes. fake so
2: that they actually don't even have to confront the very scary truth
1: and but that's like and i can i actually can really sympathize, sympathize with that like mm. I often come back to this place of like, it's, there's no point being angry at these people because I can understand where this fear comes from. And that's like really this question of like, what does it take to be wrong in these conversations? Because if I'm talking to someone and they're so committed to this misunderstanding and this falsehood, right, and this narrative, I think like, well, what does it mean for their life if they admit to themselves that this is true? And that is really a a huge pivot, right? And it's scary. It's scary to come to terms with because if you think about it for too long, any of it, you collapse, right? And that's even this conversation, like people listening are like, oh, my God, (laughs) like Mm. I get it, it's scary. But I think for me it's always about coming back to that human element. You know, you might not have the stat, you might not have the fact, you might not be a climate scientist, but I think that we can bring compassion to the table and be like either I'm stepping away because this is unhelpful, but also understanding that it, it is terrifying and sometimes people are avoidant and dismissive and ignorant for a reason. And if you can't convince them, that's okay. But you can bring some questions to the table and offer some thoughts. And I think a really easy one is, what's the worst outcome of taking action on this? You know, what you prefer it to be spent on submarines? Like, I think that renewable energy, that's never a bad thing.
0: Mm.
1: All right. Our last topic of debate, voting
2: is pointless.
0: Oh, this is a really good one. I... Really, am excited to hear your thoughts on this because there was a quote that you had on cheek media. Oh, I was
1: about to quote it. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm going to let you do it. Don't you worry. I'm I'm here at the pitch. I'm hoping and I'm, I'm, about I'm the throwing right it vibe. to you. That's great. And I'm ready for you to hear. That it was out the lovely. Um, not caring about politics is a privilege, and I think that everyone should be using their vote for someone less privileged than them. So I think that to be ignorant to politics and to think your vote doesn't matter, and to think that you exist above or outside politics is such a, uh, such a privilege and such a reflection of where you are in society, right? So for me, I would just say to that person always, if you don't care about your vote and you're willing to throw it away, donkey vote, not vote, I don't really give a shit, use it for someone else. Mm. Because my tax cut means a lot less than someone else's welfare payment or NDIS support or action on climate change or domestic violence service, you know? And I think that... To say you don't care and that it doesn't matter is really easy throwaway line, um, and to disengage is such a, it is an ignorant thing to do. But I think that it speaks to a lot of people can't disengage because it is their life and it is their livelihood. And if you, you know, if if the daily runnings of politics impact your life in such a severe way that you can't ignore it, and but it, but also like that really should be everyone we think about climate action and climate change, right? Mm. But I think that if you think you're better than the system and that it's a F you to the establishment, the best way that you can operate is to change that perception and change it and fuel it into helping someone with less privilege Mm -hmm. who's more marginalized than yourself.
0: Hundred percent, because the only person you're hurting by being like, fuck you, government, I'm not gonna vote isn't the government. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. It's the people that need that vote and need that support to have, you know, budgets put in areas that aren't getting enough money, aren't getting enough support. But, yeah, I really loved that quote when I saw it and I was like, 10 out of 10. Great work,
1: Hannah. Thank Gold you. for you. Thank you. Worked hard on that one, not yeah. really. I was sitting in an outdoor chair like, oh, I reckon that's all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so true, though.
2: Like, your donkey vote isn't going to overthrow the system, but it could actually hurt a real person. Mm. Yeah.
0: And I think as well because at voting time, a lot of us, including myself, you're like, oh, I've got to vote today. Yeah. You're like, oh, i got to go do that. Seems
2: like a chore. It does,
0: right? And I definitely had that perspective. And even on the day that it was voting day, I was like, it was pissing down rain. Mm, it was. It was literally pissing down. And I just had that quote on loop in my head that I was like, the, like.
1: Oh, that's really nice. No, but it's
0: true. Because yeah. I think we do. And I feel like it's easy to feel defeated. Didn't this election, though. Yippee. But... <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Not political, not saying no, anything, but, but also... But thumbs, it is. Up, thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs But it does feel defeating when, you know, you do vote for, for certain parties and in the past and they didn't get put in and you're like, what's the point?
1: Yeah. Mm. But
0: it's as... Go listen to our podcast episode with Elfie Scott and... Justine, oh, Lena Brilliant. Hamley.
1: They are brilliant.
0: Yeah. yeah. That even... Like, all your votes matter. But, yeah, I really loved that quote. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you. you moment from me. Oh, full, circle, you. full circle,
1: full You've circle, You've changed her life, Anna. Oh, wow. On voting day, pissing down, right? Like, uh, just think of that purple <laughs> tile that bitch put up. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it did. I was like,
0: it made me feel re-empowered because I love having the right to vote. It's amazing. And there's a reason why women fought so fucking hard to have yeah. that right and it's incredible and we should cherish it. But we're human and there are moments that you're like, I don't want to do that today. Yeah. I don't wanna go and wait in line for three hours just to pay five dollars. For a, a sausage, sausage. inflation mm. is real. It is real. <laughs> that's where it
2: all comes back to: the democracy sausage. I'm
0: sorry, but that was ridiculous. That yeah. is ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I do live in the east, but like,
1: come on. <laughs> Car I'm parking like, spaces, sausage prices. I'm doing this to myself the at measures. this point. No,
0: that's just people no, getting in my head like themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like. It's the system. <laughs> the
1: system, fuck
2: them. I'm like, and as a vegetarian who supports <laughs> climate
0: action, where's
1: the plant? <laughs> Based on go to town, my
2: electorate, yeah, exactly. Marrickville, actually, they had that covered, <laughs>
0: yeah, with a plan. And you're like, Well, shit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly, yeah, oh my god. Well, I feel so
0: empowered now, Hannah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm gonna nice. go fight some people to that kitty. <laughs> yeah. that, that's the message I <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Mary's mm-hmm. queen, yeah, <laughs> but no, I think as well, the way that we explored these discussion topics is really amazing because. Even though they very often have the tendency to turn into an argument, I think the way that you have advised us and the chicks. So it doesn't really have like a winner and a loser. It's literally a discussion point that kind of broadens perspective. And mm -hmm. I think that's really important.
1: You're not going to change someone completely in a day, especially if they've had decades of Sky Mm. News in their ears, right? And I think that it's just about thinking, how can I make them think about this in a slightly different way and see my perspective and in a healthy, robust, meaningful conversation because having that conversation with a loved one can really change your relationship and it's not going to be solved in five minutes. But if you just, I really see it as like a sort of, Digging away. Like you're mm. just trying. Every little bit counts. And like I think that, especially in the lead up to things like the voice referendum and different, you know, the elections just happened. And I think there's a lot of opportunities this year for not to tell someone how to vote, not to tell someone what to do, but to challenge stereotypes and stigmas and widely held assumptions that have been driven by media narratives Mm. Mm. but going in with realistic expectations that's something because don't don't "Don't get yourself hurt Yeah, you're
0: right that's probably problem don't get yourself
1: hurt in the process like always like prioritize your well-being but I think that it's an opportunity and like just believing in yourself and your ability to converse healthily is half the battle
0: exactly Mm -hmm. and I think that's what we hope this episode has done (laughs) I hope
1: so too definitely
0: well thanks so much Han (laughs) thank you for having me it's been a blast Mm -hmm. we're obsessed with you yeah
1: (laughs) I'm obsessed with you too yeah My Instagram fellow follows. I love it. (laughs) Every day I'm like, nice, guys. (laughs) I'm like, into it. (laughs) But why don't you tell the chicks where they can find you? Um, It's On Instagram is like the main place to follow Cheek. It's at CheekMedia.co. It's going pretty well. I love that. Instagram, it's not even intended to be the biggest platform, but it is. So follow there because that's the place to get it. Mm.
0: And 10 out of 10 recommend? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two bro chicks endorse this
1: message.
2: (laughs) 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 You know, like the government (laughs) or whatever they want to (laughs) do.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) authorised (laughs) by (laughs) the (laughs) Australian government. Yeah, exactly. Well,
0: thank you, and we'll see you later. Thank you. Bye, chick. Bye. Well, that is a wrap for this episode of Two Broke Chicks. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us. And thank you so much, Chicks, for having us in your ear holes. We absolutely love to be here. And shout out to MIK Studios for making this episode of Two Broke Chicks happen. Bye, Chicks. Bye, Chicks.